The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 1015 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Thanks. All right, guys. It's time to jump in. Trying to put ourselves in a place that when God calls, we not only hear, we not only accept the challenge laid before us, but we're prepared to accept it. God calls in a variety of different ways. God's call can look anything for something as, as big as Um, God's calling me to um, leave the vocation that I'm a part of and to um, um, go to Bible college and start um, ministering at a church somewhere or going maybe to Zimbabwe. They really need Jesus a little bit more there, and that's where I'm going. I mean, God's call can look like that, all right? God's call can also look like this. Um, I want... You Now, obviously, this is me speaking. Pretend it's God. I want you to start something for me at your place of work. And this is what that looks like. Are we putting ourselves in a place to answer that call when it comes? And the call, and I just, that's two of, two of literally hundreds of thousands of, Examples of what God's call can look like in our lives. God calls his followers to be workers in his kingdom. Scripture is so very clear about that. And what we desire for ourselves is to put ourselves in a place where when the call comes, we're approved, ready to go. Perfect? No, 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 no. If only perfect people could accept the call of God, then only one person who ever walked the face of this earth had the criteria met to answer the call of God. But fortunately for us, that's not what God calls us to. You see, because God makes us perfect through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's enough for him. Okay, let's just pray about this and let's jump into it, all right? Today's going to look a little bit different than these past two weeks when it comes to preparing ourselves. And we're, we're going to dig into the background of that just a little bit so we can all come up to speed. We'll do it very quickly, all right? Um, let's pray that God will guide us through. Lord, we come before you with a very, very simple request. Lord, help us as we open your word today um, to, to understand it the way you intend it to be understood. And Lord... Help us to change if change needs to take place. If we need to modify the way we're acting, thinking, and living, show us and tell us, Lord, and give us the power. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, Lord, give us the power by your Holy Spirit to change. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you watch the news regularly? Just show of hands. Raise them high. Raise them proud. Okay, we got quite a few here. We got quite a few here. Why do you do it? Politics? Oh, right off the bat, baby. Woo! Yeah. 
All right, very good. Man, you're not supposed to talk about religion or politics. We're going to do both this morning. Woo, yeah. Okay. Weather, anybody? You a weather watcher? Like to watch the news for weather? If you have agriculture in your background in any level whatsoever, number one reason for watching the news, the weather. I guarantee it. What about this one? Sports? Sports? A few? A few. It's, it's crazy because the news has changed so much because it's so readily available to us now at any given time. It's no longer, it's no longer 6 and 10. All right? It's just available seemingly all the time. What about just information, just pure information? What about, what about entertainment? Anybody watch the news for entertainment value? <laughs> A lot of times, yeah. You got to laugh or cry, so I choose to laugh, right? All right. How many of us who watch the news? Now we don't watch the news in the traditional way because we don't. We can't. We don't even have TV at our house. We just. I mean, we just have movies. That's all we have, and there's not much news in the movies. All right. For those of you who do watch the news or go somewhere else to find your news, whether it's your phone or your computer. How many of you come away from a news-watching session feeling good, great, wonderful? You know, um, I was listening to a sermon a while back by, by Larry Osborne. I, I, I listened to quite a bit of, of his messages ever since the church sent us to a conference a couple of years ago. And I had the opportunity, along with the others, um, to, to hear him and, and hear his perspective on things. I've become a fan, and, and I like to listen to his messages, do it quite regularly. Um, he was preaching on a sermon quite some time back um, on, on anxiety and worry. As a matter of fact, we did that ourselves not too many months ago. It seems like yesterday, but I'm sure it was far longer ago than I think it was. And this, is what, this was Larry Osborne in Southern California, by the way. That's, that's where he ministers, all right? And um, his advice to avoiding worry, stress, anxiety. Top five, you know what was in his top five? Don't watch the news. <laughs> Stop watching the news. As we've already talked about, we're, we're talking in the months to come, and we started two weeks ago in seeing what it looks like to put ourselves, God's blueprint, if you will, for becoming an approved worker before him. Getting ourselves ready to answer his call. And this getting ourselves ready affects every area of our life. We, we talked about, about reputation. We, we talked about um, our love life last week. All right? In every aspect of this, we are works in progress. For us to understand this completely, we, we have to understand this, because when you look to 1 Timothy and then Titus, all right, when you look to these, this list of characteristics, qualities we're to have in our lives, right, if you look at that without the correct mindset of these in every one of these 18, 19, 20, depending on how you break them down, characteristics, if you don't get in your mind that this is a work in progress, this is a transformative process, a transforming, you will get 
discouraged. Today's is just a little bit different, okay? Why don't you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, and you're like, the third week in a row in one verse, this has got to be a record. All right, well, there's a lot packed into this one verse, okay? We're not even going to be done with it for a few more weeks. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. He writes nearly exactly the same thing to Titus when he says this, an overseer. Well, as I said, do not get it in your brain that this is some hyper-Christian, okay? This list is only for super-Christians. No, 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 no. This is for every follower of Jesus. It says, this overseer must then be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Those are the two things we've talked about so far. And then it follows that with temperate. Temperate. Once again, how do you feel after watching the news for a while? Great, wonderful. We'll just keep that in your mind just a little bit. Sad? Yeah, okay. What in the world does a news session have to do with the word temperate? First of all, let's turn back the clock about 2,000 years. Okay, Timothy, Titus. Two apprentices, if you will, of the Apostle Paul. He left them behind in two areas, two regions, a region and a city, actually an island and a city. And he said, in this place that you are right now, I need you to set up the church. The church needs leaders. The church needs people to help them because I can't stay. I mean, I'm I'm Paul, but I'm not not a grounded, stay-in-one-place preacher. I'm moving. I'm a mission. That's what I do. The two places that he told them to stay, one was the city of Ephesus, Timothy. The other one was the island of Crete. We don't get as much about Crete as we do Ephesus, so we're going to talk about Ephesus here for a moment. Okay, Ephesus. When the church was getting its start there, Ephesus was a pretty tough crowd, a very pagan crowd. Matter of fact, there was worship that took place within that city. It was a big center. It was a a big city, an important city. All right? And in that city, they worshipped the god, goddess, if you will, Artemis. And they had temples to worship there. They even had the souvenir shops. You know souvenir shops have been around for thousands of years? Yes, they have. It's just not, it's just not Branson. All right? Okay. Been around for a long time. Okay? And in these souvenir shops, for people coming to worship Artemis, they would get these little figurines of her. They get all these things, and those things cost money, just like they do now. And, and there were people who made those souvenirs. Well, when when Paul and the others, the church had already begun by the time there were disciples there already, but Paul was like the the catalyst that really got it going. And when Paul gets there and starts preaching, okay, that begins to disrupt this whole souvenir business. There's a guy by the name of Demetrius, and he made these little souvenirs, all right? And he stirred up a riot, a riot that would end with people being thrown. I mean, it was ugly. I tell you all that just to let you know this. Ephesus was not an easy place to be a follower of Jesus. 
If you're going to follow Jesus in that environment, there will be sacrifices and there will be ups and downs. And it's not going to be easy all the time. The people of Ephesus were just slightly volatile, okay? And it didn't take much to set them off. And the vast majority didn't worship Jesus. They worshiped Artemis. And it's that environment that... Paul tells Timothy, if you want somebody to be a leader here, to answer my call, that person needs to be temperate. Temperate. Now, I know where our minds will go very first, right? Because we know, we know the, the roaring 20s, all right? Let's expand that out a little bit. Also the 20th century, okay? Now... I take that, but we don't know. I don't think there's anybody here who firsthand knows the Roaring Twenties, all right? But one of the things that took place was the temperance, prohibition, all those things. So when you think temperate, you're thinking alcohol. That's what Paul's talking. He's about to tackle the alcohol thing here. No, he's not. He's going to talk about that a little bit later on. Temperate, it is this. Nephalios. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? That's the Greek word that we have translated into temperate. It also can be translated two other ways. Sober and alert. Gene Getz, um, we're basing a lot of what we're doing in this sermon series out of his book, The Measure of a Man. One of the, man, one of the best books out there. Incredible book. But they have one for young people and they also have one for women. All right? Bailey, she's back there in children's church again. I always forget. Somebody remind her to tell, tell her to start reading her book, Measure of a Woman, because I want to know what that's like. I'm not going to read it, though. I'm not a woman. I'm reading Measure of a Man, all right? This is how Jean Getz defines a temperate person. A person with clear focus no matter the circumstances of life. Let's, let's, that's pretty good. Let, let's, I like that definition. See that again. A person with clear focus, no matter the circumstances in life. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. It's in your head. You're going to be singing it all day. And it rained today. If I known that I had to put that in a sermon in order to get some rain, I would have done it three weeks ago, okay? All right. That... I, I can see all obstacles in my way, you know. The rain's gone. I can see now. A temperate person a little bit different. It's I can see clearly now, even though it's still raining. I can see it. Scripture will tell us what a temperate person is not. All right, why don't you turn over? It's not going to be that far away from him. It's the end of the New Testament. Just turn over a few pages to the book of James. Be right after Hebrews, you're not exactly sure where it's at, and you've got a hard copy Bible with you, look to the front of your Bible, and it'll tell you exactly where to go in the table of contents. James. We like the book of James because it is so practical. I mean, it just talks about everyday life, and it seems... Now, I will tell you, there are things about the book of James that we don't like, too, because it is almost too clear, <laughs> and it's like, wow, i got some changing to do. All right. James is here talking about asking God for wisdom. That's a prayer that God loves to answer, all right? But within that, we get a little bit of an element here of a non-temperate person. 
says this, Let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Well, we just have a little bit of a definition of temperate, of a temperate person. You know what a non-temperate person would be? An unstable person in all their ways. Living the temperate life. How do we do that? This one's different. I mean, last week we were talking about sex and stuff like that. We can understand that, all right? Before that, we were talking about reputation and how a good reputation matters. We can understand that one, and it's, it's difficult yet at the same time because none of us have that reputation that we would like to have, all right? But God works with us. That's the great thing about it. And our God's more concerned about our future than our past, okay? Keep that in mind. This one's a little different, though. This, this clear-minded, focused thing... How do I do that? How do I do that on a day-to-day basis? Number one thing we got to remember, folks. We got to realize where home is. Where home really is. I am a citizen of the United States for a little while. No, don't, I'm not going to Zimbabwe. God, I don't think God's called me to Zimbabwe, all right? And even if I went to Zimbabwe, I would still be a citizen of the United States. I'm not talking that I'm leaving. What I mean by for a while is I'm not going to be here very long, and neither are you. And our life's a lot bigger than us walking in this world. Here's the other half of that. I am and you are, we are citizens of God's kingdom forever. Where is our home, first and foremost? I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's my home. When I have that, when we have that firmly planted in our brains, it makes life less complicated. Our temporary society is going to look ugly at times. You know why? Because people of this world love darkness much more than light. So what do I do about my secondary citizenship? A member of you of this earth, first and foremost, I guess, and followed down the line a little bit by this. For us, a citizen of the United States. Do do I just sit back and do nothing when it comes to that secondary citizenship? No, that's, that's not the case. Absolutely not. But listen closely. This world, what this world needs much more than another political action group is men and women living for God. That's what this world needs. The greatest contribution we can make to our world and our nation is to be everything God wants us to be as individuals, as families, and as local churches. And what does God want us to be? 
Oh, it's right there in that mission statement again. Light. Light. Do you like watching the news? Do you come away from watching the news feeling good about life? How strong is our faith in God and His Word? What does His Word say about life in this world? Since we brought up Ephesus earlier, guys, let's take a look at Paul's prayer for Ephesus. There are a number of prayers that are written down in the Bible. The Lord's Prayer is one of them. Nancy, right? Isn't that right? She loves the Lord's Prayer. But there are a number of prayers that we find written in the Bible, and they're all phenomenal, all right? It might, maybe that should be something for us. Maybe we should write out our prayers sometimes. Maybe that would be a good thing for us to do. But I digress. All right, turn to Ephesians. It's going to be a few pages before 1 Timothy. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. And what we get to read here is Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. And man, guys, this is, this is really good stuff. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. This is good enough that you need to find it on your phone or find it in your Bible and follow along. We're going to be reading here a little bit, and it's good. All right. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of God's might in which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He will put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Do we believe that, church? Do we believe that Jesus died, was buried, and arose? Do we believe that he is above all and over all? Do we believe he's coming back one day? Do we believe that every knee will bow and every tongue confess, every one of them, that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do we believe it? Oh, we say we do on Sunday mornings. We take communion. Now, communion's only for believers, so absolutely, yeah. Do we really believe it? We better believe it. You know why? Did you catch the end of that prayer? Who is Jesus in this world? Who is his body 
in this world? Us, the church. Why do we need to be temperate, sober-minded, alert? Because the world needs more grounded, focused, and hopeful people. Those people are unshakable. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Hope is the anchor for our souls. This hope is the anchor for our souls. How many times have we come away from a news-watching session filled with hope? That's because we're thinking with the mind of a secondary citizen. First, we're citizens of God's kingdom. And it is a kingdom of hope. You ever ever watched the movie Limitless? Yeah. All right. Interesting movie. I don't know how we ended up with it. We had watched it before. I think you might have got it, because we got it now. We get it at a garage sale or something. I'm sure it's a garage sale. Most of the movies we have are garage sale. Yeah, it's probably a garage sale. I don't think it was even opened. Probably got it for 25 cents. Isn't that right? Well, we got this movie, Limitless, and watched it a number of times. Bradley Cooper stars in it. I'm kind of a Bradley Cooper fan. And um, the movie's basically based on this. You got this guy that just can't accomplish anything in life. I mean, this poor fella. I mean, he's a writer, but he hasn't written anything. He's good enough, he's talented enough that he's gotten a contract to write, but he just won't write, okay? He's like a procrastinator to the one millionth degree, okay? To the point that he's, he's living off of the generosity of his friends, and in particular, his girlfriend. Okay? This guy can't do anything right. He's got the talent, he just can't do anything right. Well, he ends up, long story short, ends up through an old acquaintance getting this little, this little pill, little clear pill. And his buddy tells him, take this. He's like, nah, I, I don't think I'm to do the drug thing. He said, this isn't a drug, buddy. Of course, lied to him. He said, this thing will change your life. That's all I'm going to say. And, of course, he's not going to take it. But then he decides as he's sitting there in front of the computer trying to write chapter one of this book that he's supposed to write, um, he takes the pill. And then he proceeds to write the entire novel that night. He ends up being a hugely successful Wall Street investor from these little pills that he's taken, that clears his mind. Now, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story because I want to ruin it for you. But basically, what makes him so successful from taking this pit, well, kind of, you just got to watch the movie, all right? 
Okay, there are, there are consequences to the little pill, all right? Okay. Is no matter the stress involved in the situation, no matter the chaos going on around him, and it does get a little chaotic, okay? He can always take this pill and think clearly. Clearly enough to make a very, very good choice decision and proceed. No matter the level of chaos. Wouldn't that be amazing? No matter the level of chaos in life. To always be able to make the right choices, the right decisions. To be clear-minded at all times. That's supposed to be what the Holy Spirit is for. We're told in Acts 2.38, very first gospel sermon ever preached. And the people say to Peter, I mean, first gospel sermon, Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again, and he's coming back one day. Now, his sermon was a little different because many of the people in the crowd that day were ones who had yelled, crucify him just weeks earlier So Peter says, you know that guy you put on the cross? He's God. He's alive. And you stand condemned. The people said, what do we do? The scripture tells us they were cut to the heart. What do we do? Peter says to them, he says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But that's not all of it. That you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been given a gift. And that gift is given to us to strengthen us, to give us a clear-mindedness in the midst of chaos. And what does that mean, preacher? Does that mean that we never get rattled? Not necessarily. Because life can get crazy sometimes. And some of you in this room are in the midst of it right now. What it means is this, when I do get rattled... I turn it over to God. It's so easy to say and so hard to do. It does seem like it was just yesterday. I was standing in the same place and we were talking out of God's word about anxiety and how it cripples us in this world at times. And guys, I I have watched too many Good, solid people. I'm talking about solid people who have enough going on up here that they chemically cannot get it straightened out without the help of medication. I've seen way too many people in that position to just throw it out. Say it's not needed. I think sometimes that it's not a bad thing to take something. Now understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying go to the street corner and buy something from the guy selling it there, all right? I'm talking about prescription medication sometimes. That helps get these chemicals where they need to be. It can be a tool. 
something else we need to remember when it comes to this getting rattled nature of ours, the tendency we have to worry and at times have anxiety, sometimes to a level that it can be crippling. To remember this, we are works in progress. But what God desires of us is for us to be in a place where we're unshakable. Temperate people. Philippians 3.20 tells us this. Our citizenship is in heaven. I have the tendency to think because he said it. That Jesus would tell if he was here today. There's a reason why you get shaken in this world. This world's not your home. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We were in Sunday school this morning. It is so insane how Sunday school ties in with the sermon so often. You want a preview of the sermon? Come to Sunday school, because it just works that way, all right? 9.15, we'd love to have you. We have a place for you somewhere, all right? Something that Dave said this morning in Sunday school, Dave Lovelace, he said, he said, he talked about childlike faith. children. Have you ever felt guilty for laughing at something somebody else's child did? Now, I'm not talking about a 16-year-old child. I'm talking about a 3-year-old child. And you're, you're there together, you know, and that child says something. And you're like... <laughs> And then you look at mom and dad, and like there's steam coming out their ears, and you're like, oh, okay, not going to laugh. Not going to laugh. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> that was funny. you got to admit, that was funny. It's not funny to mom and dad. All right? It's amazing how, how children can do those sorts of things. And children don't hide stuff. Now, they learn how to hide stuff as they get a little older, and it doesn't take long. But those two- and three-year-olds, well, man, they just haven't learned that skill yet, you know? And if it's here, it's coming out, okay? I'm not sure that aspect of childhood is what Jesus was talking about when he said, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you need to become like one of these little ones. I think what Jesus was talking about was a childlike trust. It's funny as you grow older and look back in your early years of life, if you were fortunate enough and privileged enough to be raised in a home Or mom and dad honored Christ. And you looked at mom and dad. For me specifically, it was dad. I think it's because I'm a boy. No, don't get me wrong. My mom, 
amazing woman, all right? But I didn't want to grow up and be like my mom, <laughs> okay? There are characteristics I wanted to be like with mom, but she's a woman. I'm a man, okay? All right. I want to be like dad. And there were times when it seemed like in the mind of a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old that the world's kind of spinning out of control. You're, you're on a mountainside and the tr- cars broke down, you know, and you're sitting there and, and you're like, what, what's, what's, how are we going to get out? Now, that's not a huge deal, but to an 8-year-old, that's a huge deal, okay? All right? But I never worried because Dad would take care of it. I'm serious. I never worried. Now, our girls, when we broke down on the way to Colorado, were crying because Dad's not that good at fixing stuff, okay? (laughs) But my dad was. And it did not matter the situation. It's like, Dad will take care of it. And then you get older and become a dad yourself. And you realize firsthand how foolish that belief was when you were a child. Because now you're a dad and you realize dad doesn't always have it all taken care of. And then think of how foolish that was. And then immediately it pops in your brain by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our heaven. How do we live a temperate life? With childlike faith and trust. He's got it in his hands. It's in his control. Does that mean it's going to be easy? Heck no, sometimes. But he's got it. And he's got a home waiting for you and me. Or we'll never even think about being shaken again.